Let's all stand this evening. Welcome y'all to the house of the Lord tonight. Sorry we're getting a little bit of a late start. Let's just offer up a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we consider it a great privilege to be able to gather tonight with our brothers and sisters. Lord, to gather together to worship you and to create an atmosphere, Lord, where you will feel welcome, Lord, for you alone deserve all the glory and all the praise, Lord. Thank you for this day and keeping us all safe, Lord, and bringing us here tonight, Lord, to hear your word. We ask you to come and, Lord, meet with each of us in that secret place, Lord, as we desire to be more like you, Lord. Granted, have your way in this whole service, Lord, as, <clears throat> as we dedicate it to you now. In Christ Jesus' name, and the bride said amen. Amen. Did you come to worship the Lord tonight? Hallelujah. <clears throat> Let's sing this great emancipator. Are you free tonight? Free to worship the Lord. You got the words for that, brothers? Amen. Once my heart and soul were
He's worthy tonight. I believe the great emancipators here with us tonight, saints. Let's give me a key of F. Do you have that next song up there, brothers? You know this song, My Sins Are Gone. Oh, you ask me why I'm happy, so I'll just tell you why.
about that tonight. Oh, yes. Let's sing that. Give me oil in my lamp, Sister Deborah. Amen. That's our ticket out of here. Can you say amen? Amen. I want to be one of those five wise virgins. Oh, give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning. Give me praises of his people, saints. Amen. Why don't you uh, greet someone in the name of the Lord tonight and tell them God bless you. Amen. Brother Aaron, if you're ready to sing your special tonight, y'all can have your seats. We have a few specials tonight. Amen. And Sister has a special for us also. And then after Sister Deborah, we're going to have Sister Dally, Sally Duke come up and uh, bless us once again. want to welcome all of our visitors here tonight. God bless you, and it's wonderful to have you here with us. My 
nothing like the family of God you know you you talk and you see a sunset and you you laugh and you you just have a wonderful time but then there's those conversations about the Lord and what he's done in your life and there's just a connection that you don't have with anyone else and it's precious and I don't take it for granted so I just want to thank him thank you and uh just sing a love song Fear my faith will fail. Cry. 
Christ will hold me fast when the tempter would prevail he will hold me fast I could never keep my hold through life's fearful path for my love is often cold he will hold me fast he
it's wonderful knowing the Lord's always got a hold of us. And even when our, our grip on him might seem to be slipping, you know, we always know that for sure that he has us in his hands. We're going to switch the order of the service over and Sister Deborah's going to sing a special, but I wonder, Brother Luther, if you could come and take the offering tonight um, as Sister Deborah's getting ready to sing that song. I kind of out of sorts, got a little behind it tonight on the startup, and so uh, got out of sorts there, so... Uh, my wife has a friend at work that uh, he's in surgery he's been in surgery for two hours now his name is Brian he's had several bouts with cancer and um, they had to give him some blood because they nicked an artery while they were so it's going to be a little longer um, so I just want to lift him up to the Lord in prayer I know I think she put in a request for him but she didn't know this at that time Amen. If you have a request upon your heart, let's remember my son. My son is progressing. We're communicating. Amen. But he's got a long way to go. He's got struggles in life. Amen. He may be listening. I love you, son. I have an announcement. The dumpster is for church stuff only. I don't think anybody's dumping anything in it, but just so everybody knows, the dumpster out here is just for the Fellowship Hall, the church, and the residents over there. Okay? I love you. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. And Lord, we know this life is full of trials and tribulations, Father. And maybe this man, Brian, came across Sister Melissa's path for this very moment. For the witnesses, she's witness to him, Lord, and he's professed his love for you. I pray for Brian, Lord. I pray that your hand of mercy would reach down, help those doctors, Father, in surgery. Bring him through this, Father, restore him to health. Lord, the request and the hands that were lifted, my son, and we all have burdens for our loved ones, Father. Lord, we pray, as you spoke to me, I felt, why pray for little things? Because you are able to do big things. Pray for my son, his soul, his heart, his mind, his body. Full restoration, Father. And as these requests went up for our loved ones, we pray, Father, for a full restoration of them also. Thank you for your grace and mercy, Father. Thank you for the cheerful giver. Bless those that are streaming, Lord. Lord, and most of all, the greatest form of worship that we're about to enter into. Lord, help us to receive what you have for us. I believe with all my heart, Father, that you will guide the minister. I'm concerned about my heart being open to receive, Lord. Bless him as he preaches. Bless us as we receive it. I pray in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.
see your sorrow Each step that you take When all hope is gone If you will just hold on I'll cover you with my hand Give you
Thank you. Appreciate that special. Amen. Praise the Lord. Zechariah chapter 12, if you have your Bible, and then we'll turn and go straight to the Word. Zechariah. <clears throat> Don't you just love when Jesus comes? Yes. Amen. God bless you. Certainly a privilege to be here. Amen. Here again to, tonight. And uh, we're just looking for what the Lord would have for us this evening. Believing he's got something specially prepared. Yes. Amen. Amen. And so I know that he always comes where he's invited. Yes. Sure. So we've invited him. Yes. Right. And he's invited him. Said, yes. Lord, come right to my Amen. seat. Amen. Come speak to my heart. Yes. I trust that he will. We have a, ser a special service here. And I've got some really special friends here with us. Um, special friends of Brother Travis and Sister Deborah, and uh, this is Brother Marcus Humphrey, amen, and Sister Mary, so good to have them. Why don't we give the Lord Jesus a hand? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And if you don't know, this is, this is Marcus, the brother that we were praying for, um, who was diagnosed with stage 4 Hodgkin's lymphoma, and the Lord supernaturally healed him. He's a standing walking right. talking yeah. Amen. Praise God. If that don't go to faith, I don't know what I got here tonight that will. Amen. To show that Jesus is still the same yesterday. Yes, he is. Amen. 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 And I tell you what, uh, that is not the man I seen uh, just back in March when I was in their living room, a man who was sick and dying, and doctors had given, not given much hope, but Jesus had other plans. Amen. And we're so grateful for Praise that. the Lord. And God has a purpose. So we're going to have him come here. I'm just going to minister something the Lord put upon my heart, and we'll have Marcus, I want you to come up and maybe greet the people and share uh, a little bit of your testimony, amen, and what God's, it's his testimony, right? it's what God did for him yes. and Mary's, amen, and I know that they went through that together, but we're here, and we've got the victory, amen, and Satan is a liar, he's amen, he's defeated, he was defeated at Calvary, and we've accepted that by faith here, and he's a, he's a testament of that here tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Zechariah chapter 12. We just want to minister to you on part two of the hour of grace and supplications. Let's just begin reading here uh, in Zechariah. Let me actually, if you have that PowerPoint, um, Brother uh, Caleb, just have that ready for me if you could. I'm not going to get to it right away, but uh, we will turn there. We will uh, pull that up here in just a moment. Um, Zechariah chapter 12. The burden of the word of the Lord for Israel, saith the Lord, which stretcheth forth the heavens and layeth the foundation of the earth and formeth the spirit of man within him. Amen. Behold, I will make. Now notice as we out the last time that we spoke on this, this is not something that Israel was going to do, but this is something God says I'm going to do. Now, just while I have you standing, let me just bring you up to speed here in Zechariah. Zechariah was very much like uh, Ezekiel, and he was very much like Daniel in Daniel chapter 12, where his prophecy or what he speaks of, part of it would be specific to Israel at the era that Zechariah lived. But then he would turn to Zechariah 12, and he would begin to speak things that we would call apocalyptic or end-time prophecy. 
Daniel does this in Daniel 12 and he begins to speak of symbology and you see some of the same symbols that you find in Revelations. Ezekiel does the same thing. He sees the will in the middle of a will. And so we know that Zechariah is speaking here of a time. Time's very important. Remember, don't think of when we say God is timeless. It doesn't mean God is outside of time, but that all time is inside of God. It's very important how you look at that. Make, you make God that he's timeless and that he doesn't care what happens in time. No, he actually, David said, all of my time here on earth from the first breath to my last is in your hands. And so notice here, Zechariah is going to begin to speak about something prophetic that would come. Now, we know in Zechariah 12, he's speaking of Armageddon, and we know that that's the war of all wars, the end of all things, the day of reckoning of all humanity and all time. Now, Brother Branham would say it this way, that the war of Armageddon was the final battle or the final chapter in the war that started in heaven when Michael prevailed over Lucifer and kicked him out of heaven and he came to earth. And he would say it this way, heavenly battles became earthly battles. And so throughout all time and all history, everything from the beginning when Adam and Eve are kicked out of the Garden of Eden, all the way through the prophets, the kings, the priests, all the way to Jesus, beyond Jesus, the New Testament church, beyond the New Testament church, all of the ages, all the way till 2022, God has been pulling the levers and God has been pushing the buttons, not man. Now man is, the God uses men, but men come under the anointing of the potter who is working his vessel. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a couple of trembling unto all people round about when they shall be in siege both against Judah and against Jerusalem. Verse 3, and in that day, while I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people, all that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces, though all people of the earth be gathered together against it. In that day, saith the Lord, I will smite. Let's move on down. I want to say it's verse uh, 8. Let me just pull it up here. In that day, verse 8, in that day shall... The Lord, capital L-O-R-D. Here's Jehovah. This is God. In that day shall the Lord defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. There is no one that defends his people greater. No one who you'd rather have on your side than the Lord. And he says, I will defend Jerusalem, and he that is feeble among them at that day shall be as David. So the spirit of David comes back upon these Jews, upon this people. And he says, and the house of David shall be as God, as the angel of the Lord from before them. Verse 9, here's our verse here. And it shall come to pass that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. Verse 10, and I will pour upon the house of David. Notice, not to all Israel, not to all all of the the nation, but upon this house and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Here's what he's going to pour out. The spirit of grace. Unmerited, didn't deserve it, don't know why I received it, but somehow I have grace and supplications. Lord Jesus, we just bow our heads here before you. Now, Lord, just we come subservient, Lord, to your spirit. For, Lord, truly, we're here, Lord, only as a tool in your toolbox. I pray, God, that you would use me, Lord, tonight. God, by the inspiration of your word, you've placed something, just a little thought upon my heart. I pray, Father, that each and every person that would be here, Lord, would be sensitive to your spirit that wants to speak to them, I pray. 
God, I pray you would just keep me from saying anything that would be displeasing to you, Lord, or something that would be contrary. I pray you would just have complete control in this service. We ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. And he says, I'll pour out the spirit of grace and supplication. So he says, the spirit of grace, I could just stop here and and there's so much I'm not going to get to get to tonight and that's all right. Lord will have another time for us, I'm sure. But he pours out the spirit of grace. Now, this is what the people need the most. This is the stubborn, hard-hearted, stiff-necked people as they were, as their history tells us. Stiff-necked and hard-hearted, but God is going to give them what they need the most. He's going to pour out his spirit of grace, unmerited favor, didn't deserve it, don't deserve it, but I'm going to pour it out upon you. And he says, and the spirit of supplications. This was such a powerful thing when I read this, because if you click up on the lexicon, the meaning of this word desperations, it means prayer. And that's wonderful. It's wonderful that he gives them the spirit of prayer. I thought it was amazing because here he's going to pour out, thank you, he's going to pour out the spirit of grace and prayer. And so there's, a, there's something that comes upon them. Zechariah 14, we'll just skip it and not, not take the time to read it because we read it last time. And he says, behold, I'll gather all nations against Jerusalem. I'll gather a united nation's army. Now, there's a bright future coming for Benjamin. There's a bright future coming for Israel. There's a bright future. But before the brightness comes the most horrible day that humanity has ever experienced. The Bible says it this way, that there's never been a day like it. Jesus said this in the book of Matthew. There's never been a day like it, and there'll never be another day like it again. It's called the day of the Lord. Now, you know that you could look at this and say, Israel has had many days that you could say were times of great trouble. Uh, they've had many times. You could just look at their history, and the, but the Bible says that there's never been there's there's such as a day as never was before, even to that time. So the Jew, the Jewish people, have known many days of trouble. They've known many times of trouble. This is what the Bible refers to as Jacob's trouble. They've known many times of trouble. You could just look historically here and know that it's a people who've been troubled from the very beginning of their history when Adam uh, curses the entire uh, human race and they go out from the Garden of Eden and they, and, they, and they sojourn into the world. There's been nothing but sorrow as was prophesied and was promised. There's been horrors that have fallen upon this people from the fall of Samaria all the way to the tearing of the kingdoms between the north and the south to the, you go read the book of Maccabees. It's an amazing history of a man named Antiochus Epiphanes and just was a tyrant, almost like Hitler. And some of the things, and it was Jude, the house of Judah, Benjamin Judah, who rose up the, the war of the Maccabees uh, that, 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 that fought against this man and his army. You can read all the way through the destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans. Also, we read about it in the Bible by Nebuchadnezzar when he takes him into captivity into Babylon. Uh, the persecution throughout the church, uh, through, through the church, through the... Through the dark ages, excuse me, uh, to the 20th century, just here not long ago, the Holocaust. 
And so it's just been trouble after trouble after trouble after trouble. But yet the Bible says this will be worse than any of those troubles. This is a day that will be worse than all of those combined. There's never been a day like it. There'll never be another day like it. Let me say this. When the day of the Lord comes, you better be on the Lord's side. When the day of battle comes, you better be on the right side of the army because you're not facing a general. You're not facing Putin. You're not facing a nuclear bomb. You're facing God, Jehovah, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And so this will be a worse time than any other time. And he says, I'll gather all nations in Zechariah 14 against Jerusalem to battle. And he says, and that the houses will be rifled. And he speaks of just in, in detail of, of just some horrors that will befall that nation and that city as all the nations of Gentile armies, all the nations, the United Nations army has unified and solidified against this nation. Now, what's amazing is that they don't know it, but God is the one who said, I'll gather all nations. So will it, it'll, be, it'll be, oh, it's just the agenda of this Republican or this Democrat or it's Putin or it's over here. Don't you realize these are just puppets in the hands of God who's controlling all time by a book of prophecy. This isn't a newspaper or just a good book or a novel. This is controlling his story. This isn't his, it's not history. They teach you history in school. Do you realize history is just his story? It's the drama that's unfolding. And you're part of it. And I'm part of it. And I want to say, Lord, what's my purpose in all of it? So he's controlling all things. He brings all these nations against Israel. And God says in Zechariah chapter 14, because I'm going to bring all those nations and I thought it's incredible. Here's one spot, brings them to one stage at one geographic location so that his cup of wrath can be poured out upon all those nations. Because at the day when it seems like all hope is lost, the Bible says the Lord steps in the battle. And when the Lord comes to your aid, <laughs> I wouldn't rather have any, you wouldn't want anybody that can fight for you than to say, Lord, fight my battles. I'll stand behind, Lord, and I'll keep just praising you and worshiping you as you go mighty in battle in my life. And so we, we know this that here from history, even from time, all the way from the beginning, time was going to be a very important thing to God. We know that Israel is his timepiece. You want to know where you're at, where God is at in the Gentile dispensation, the grace age, which we're still under right now. But there's coming a day where the Bible says when the fullness of the Gentiles comes and when grace is over, I'm glad it's not right now. There's still mercy here at the, on the mercy seat. And so, but we know that, that there'll come a time when that gospel goes back to that nation. When he that is filthy will be filthy. When he that is holy will be holy. When he that letteth will let till he be taken out of the way. We know all of the, the prophecies that speak of a time. Friends, let me just say it this way. I believe we're approaching those moments right now. It's not just an accident. Time's not just a clock that someone's wound up and it's just spinning and it'll stop at any given random moment. No, but God has a specific time and a specific date and a specific moment when God says, the end. And John said it this way in the book of Revelations, time shall be no more. 
And so you say, what happens at that moment? Then whatever you are, he that is filthy, let him be filthy. He that is holy, let him be holy. That's why the Bible says, make your calling and election sure. Because the only thing you take with you when you leave this world is the character that God has molded in you. And it better be, I say, Lord, let it be a reflection of Jesus Christ. Let my life be a, a, a conduit for the reflection of Christ. And so notice here, if you have that second PowerPoint, the God of all time, or the Caleb, the one you could put up. Notice here, just for a moment as we look at this, as we know this thing that we, we would call time. And I, I don't have really the time, speaking of time, to really cover this how I want to, but we'll just get to what we can and then we'll leave the rest just to the Lord. And so notice here, if you look at this, we've, we ministered on this years ago here at the church. I'm just going to cover some principles that we covered then. But we notice here it would be what they would call academically as the philosophy of history. Anybody writing a book or, or who's or studying or, or a historian, they're going to have a certain philosophy. It just means how they view events in the past, in the present, and events coming. How they view, how do you view this linear line that we call time and we understand everything about it? Not just the time of yesterday, but we understand our own life as time. I was young, I was a teen, I grew up, and now you look always in the past, and then you're planning your future, then you're, here you are in your present. So you judge everything and you measure everything by time. That's how God made us. We're creatures of time. And so we're subject to that. And so none of us are getting any younger. Right? None of us are getting any, and you know, all of us are, we're not, we're, you know, you can do things to improve yourself and to improve your health, and that's wonderful. The Bible says bodily exercise profiteth. Hold on, I didn't say to say that. <laughs> the bodily exercise profiteth. Don't miss it, it does profit. It might be little. I see, it's amazing how everyone just love to wait a little. <laughs> you beat me to the punchline. Body, bodily exercise, profit is little. So you're, you're, you're always breaking down. You're on a constant cycle of breaking down. Even, even, even in your own body here today, your body's always dying all the time or always moving one, one step closer to the grave. Our time is going to run out one day. Oh, but it's only a, a contrast of a negative to a positive. If there's a world that has death, then there must be a world that has life. If there's a place where people get old, there must be a place where people are young. If there's a place where there's sickness, there must be a law of contrast, a place where there's no aging and no sorrow and no sickness. I love how the Apostle Paul said, if in this life only... I had hope I would be of all men most miserable. If only this life was, and you take all of the best moments of life and you can have some good ones. You can have some photographs and show some of the best moments of your life and there's high times I'm thankful for God giving us times of vacation and times of joy and we enjoy our, our time with our little ones and our children as we watch them grow. We, 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 we enjoy each other's company and each other's fellowship. You could go and travel the world and see some beautiful, magnificent places and your life could be filled. I believe God gives you times of goodness in your life, even on this side of eternity. Now, without Christ, they all mean nothing. Without Christ, it's all meaningless and hopeless. 
but you can even have good times. You could have great times. But let me just say this. You could, you could pile all of them together. And, and, the, and, and if life's meaning was just this life only, could you imagine? Could you imagine after you you have loved ones who you love and you watch them go and you take them to the to and you you visit them at the graveyard and at the cemetery and that's could you imagine if this was it if this was all? Right. Amen. One man said it and it's it's always stuck with me. He said life would just seem like a sick joke that someone played on me. You know, I can relate with that and say, as you get older, you start to realize there's sorrow that comes with life. There's hard times that come with life. And if all, if all I had was just this life, oh, it just makes me stop and say, I'm so thankful for a reality of an eternity. I'm so thankful for a reality that this life is not the end of it all. Oh, this life is not where it all stops when you breathe your last breath. It's where it all begins. And I've tasted of that. How do you know it's real? Because I've tasted of a little piece, a little portion of it here. That's why the Bible calls, grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you're sealed unto the day of your redemption. What is the Holy Ghost? It's the earnest, means the down payment. So I've received the down payment. And God's going to pay the rest of the bill one day. Notice this here, and, and so you have all of the philosophy that you could look at time. It means how do you look at time? How do you look at this linear line of time? And men have different views on this, and it's very important with what, with what lens they view time and the pattern of events that happen not only in our lifetime, but lifetimes gone by that we read about and study about. And so when you, when you, when you, when you look at this here, the, 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 if you go to the next slide, I don't know if I have, I do. Good, praise the Lord. I'll, I'll go ahead and advance it here if I have it. Good, thank you. These are way too small to read. I'll read some of them for you. But these are the different, these are the different views, we could call it that, of, of history. You have this, what they call the cyclic view. And it just means that history's just a big cycle. It's just like a big roundabout. It's just going round and around and around. It's really going nowhere. There's no pattern. There's no purpose. It's just time. It's just this big clock that man has, you know, wound up and it's just unwinding and unwinding. And one day, whenever that stops winding, it's just going. It just, and history just keeps repeating. And it does. There's truths to all of these. The history just repeats itself over. And there's uh, yesterday we had good news and then tomorrow we'll have bad news. And my grandpa had good news and then he had bad his grandpa had good news then bad news his grandpa before him had it's just one big I'm just here and this is just my part and we're just going in a circle you know just like a roundabout just a big old roundabout you know like like we you see around here you just sort of get on the roundabout you know when you come into life and and then you get a career and you go to college and you find your vocation in life and then you pursue that and you get a family and you have children and then you just you just go through this cycle of life where you wake up every morning you tell your family goodbye, you go to work that day, you spend the day at work, you come home, you greet your family, greet your kids, veg on entertainment, go to bed, wake up the next day, go back to the job, work full eight, eight hours a day, come home, greet the family, see, see the children, veg on entertainment, go back to bed, wake up the next day, go back to work, work eight hours a day, spend the day, get home, greet the kids, veg on entertainment, then you go to bed, then you wake up. 
And you just get on this long roundabout with really no direction and I'm just living life. I'm just aimless. And, and they're really the man without God, this is really his life. It's just a, a big circle, just a big old roundabout. You know, the point of that roundabout is to get off of the roundabout. You don't go in a traffic circle and just go around and around and around and around and around. If you do, people think he is not from here. <laughs> That's a northerner. Excuse me. <laughs> He's not from here. Why? They just go around and around, and people's lives are this way. They just go around and around, and it's one up day, uh, day one, one day's up, and one day's down, and one day's up, and one day's down, and they just go, they just get off, they get on the roundabout, and they get off about where they got on. They retire, then they, they just fade off. You know, this is, I thought about this today, and I know I'm preaching another sermon here, but I was thinking about this just this afternoon, and I thought it's just like the book of Judges, where the Bible says in Judges, they had a judge, and the people served God as long as the judge was alive. Then when the judge would die, they'd go back into sin, they'd get into slavery, they'd get into bondage. God would send them Deborah, he'd send them Samson and Ophniel, all these judges, all these men. Then they would serve God, and they would come to revival, and then they would, right when that judge would die, right when grandpa's dead, and, and grandma's dead, and that, that anchor that was in their life. Then they fall right back into sin, go into slavery, into bondage. Then God sends another judge. And it's just this repeated circle of circle of up and up and down. But you know what's so powerful about that circle in Judges? Is that Judges in the book of Ruth were originally bound together. In the Jewish Bible today, Judges and Ruth is one book. Because why? What was going to be different about Judges? Ruth was not going to be a circle. Ruth was going to be a line. It was going to be a progression. It was going to lead to a royal line. It wasn't about circles and going up and going down and going up and going down. But it was going to be about a destiny, a purpose, a calling, a plan that God had planned for this little woman. And she had a future. And it wasn't a future of judges, circles, but it was a future to go on a royal line and bring forth the promise of God in her life. Do you realize, friends, we've not been called to the circle of the rest of the world, of the grind, but you're part of a plan of redemption. Amen. And you've got to recognize I'm part of the story that's unfolding here. Amen. It just repeats and goes around and around. And then you have the epic view. And it goes forward, but it goes forward in ups and downs. And you hope your life ends on an up and not a down. You go up and then you go down and good times and there's bad times. There's rich people and there's poor people. There's inflation and then there's deflation. That's how they view uh, history in this, this epic view. Then you have the, the optimistic view. Now, this is incredible because this optic view of history says history is getting better and better all the time. We're progressing. It's progressives just going better. Things are going to get better. This optimistic view, life is, we're, we're, we're increasing. This, it's almost like a, the, 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 you know, this is heaven on earth. And to some people, this is how they view life. It's just get better. It's all about here and just make my life better let, because we're getting better. Science has advanced. And I'm thankful science has. I'm thankful for modern medicine. But that view that, that is just going, it's going to get better. And life is getting better all the time. This was the most common view held at, in the 1900s. It's the most common view that summed it all up in this one word, progress. 
Life is just going to get better. Time is just going to go get better. You know, history, uh, uh, science is going to keep discovering. This was the Darwinistic view of evolution. This is what he held on to. That we're, we're all the time getting better. And that, that, that life isn't about, earth is not about a curse. Earth is about a blessing. Life on and earth is, and humanity is all about, it's, it's uh, what, what can we have here now? Not what we invest for tomorrow. But Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if you treasure this life and this is where your treasures are, this is where your heart will be also. And so this was, the, this was thought that the 20th century was going to be the best century. It was going to be the best age ever. With all the modern discoveries, it's going to help us discover and, 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 and fix all of our problems. Life is going to be good. It was just going to get better and better. Man's evolving. Education's in, uh, evolving. Education and science and technology. And boy, do we have it ever than we ever have. We've had it more than we, now than we ever have before. And science is just going to get better. And they entered the 20th century with this high hope. A British prime minister, I heard a man speaking this the other day. He, went, he won an entire election on that slogan, up and up and up and on and on and on. Up and up and up and on and on and on. Progress. And then they built a boat called the Titanic. And they said, we're going to build a boat. Our technology is so powerful this age is so one just such optimism that not even God himself can sink it this was the largest man-made moving object ever built and inside of this largest ever built object was in, 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 identified I thought this was incredible all of the latest Cutting edge technology at that time were all housed in this boat. This was man's greatest achievements. It was the symbol of optimism. It was the symbol of hope. It was the symbol of progress. And man said, it's so powerful and so good. We've created such an invention that not even God himself can sink it. So you know what God did? He sunk it. And with the Titanic going to the bottom of the ocean, still today the Titanic, the most popular shipwreck in history, with the Titanic going to the bottom of the ocean, the, uh, all, of that, all of that progress and all of that high hope was like a bubble that you popped. And this was the first major disaster of the 20th century. And what, what did it do? And now it's a challenge to man. And you know, you say, Brother Matt, then what followed that? World War I. And now the entire world goes to war. This was supposed to be the best of the best. It was supposed to be the greatest of the greatest. Man is going up. And Darwin said, we're evolving. We're getting better. Science and social and, 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 and our culture will just, we'll, we'll get kinder. We'll get nicer. We'll get happier. We'll get more joy. More money means more joy. But what did, what did it produce? Addictions and drugs and alcohol and depression and anxiety. What has technology really brought? The world. 
He's gone completely insane. And what was thought to be as the greatest turned out to be the worst. It turned out to be the worst. All the optimistic view of history uh, turned out to be the worst. So then what did you have? You have the pessimistic. I think I had it on the, ne- the next slide there. The pessimistic. I don't like pessimism. I'm not a pessimistic person. Amen. I don't believe Christians should be pessimistic people. Amen. We're called to be opti- optimistic people. Yeah. That's not just a, care, a personality trait. A Christian always sees the glass half full, not half empty. Amen. But this was the pessimistic view of history, that it's not getting better. It's getting worse and worse and worse, and and destruction is unavoidable, and there's global warming, and the melting of the polar caps, and it's all going to go towards doom and destruction, and the whole world's going to end. They're right. So what do you have? You have the optimistic view who look towards something. Man always has a good desire, but the devil comes in and perverts it. And then you have the pessimistic view. You can represent these. Uh, you could. You could. You could represent these even by lines. Here you have the cycle. Then you have the epic view uh, that, that goes like that. Then you have the optimistic view, where time and history is getting better and better and better. And then you came with the pessimistic view to where everything's getting worse and we're not getting better. We're going worse and worse and history's getting worse and times and people are getting more evil and they're right, they are. Time, man is slowly destroying himself. If you haven't read the news lately and I'm not recommending that you do, man's getting worse. Time's getting worse. History is getting worse. Man is going completely insane. The only sanity is in Christ. The only peace is not in money or women or popularity or Hollywood or education or or whatever they want, drugs they want to give people. The only opium that I need as a man is this opium right here. This is all of my joy. As David said, this is my portion. This is my daily bread. All of my happiness comes from this word. And so pessimism, what is it? It's getting worse and it's getting worse. And they're right. But let me tell you, we don't believe in an optimistic or a pessimistic view. You say, what view do you view time with? I have the God view. I have the view where things will get worse and worse and worse. But suddenly at the bottom of it all, when it goes completely insane, suddenly after it gets all the way to the bottom, out of nowhere, there's a rapture of the church. This is what the Bible calls the harpazo, which is just a word to mean we shall be called up, which means to be snatched. It means to be snatched. I say, Lord, snatch me. I'm ready right now, God. Get me out of all of it, Lord. This is my hope I'm looking for. This is how I'm viewing time and my life and all of it is that God has a plan and he's working all things after his purposes. And he's got a purpose. You believe that he's got a a purpose? A purpose. And I'm in the middle of all of that. You know, when I, let me just say this and stop for a moment and say, when I read the word of God, I'm glad. I can read the history. I can read what God did in Israel. I can read what God did in in the gospels. I can read what God did in the New Testament church. But when I read the Bible, I'm not just reading it as history. I'm reading it as his story. And in his story, I want to say, God, where am I? Where's my purpose, Lord? What have you called me to, Lord? 
It's one thing to recognize God in yesterday or God in tomorrow, but where's he at right now? Come on, church, do we believe he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? He he said, I'll have a church that has no spot or no wrinkle or blemish or any such thing. And Revelation, the the Laodicean church, he says, to him that overcometh. Will I grant to sit with me on my throne? What does that tell me? That in this age of darkness, there's going to be somebody who overcomes the devil? The Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. What is a testimony? It's a test. (laughs) I think it was Brother Donnie, or maybe it wasn't, said, what is breakdown testimony? Test I money. <laughs> God gives me a test and I money. We moan over it, but it's, it's for our good. It's for our perfection. God sends it in our life to produce desperation in our hearts. Do you realize that this is why God sends trouble to the believer? It's not to produce bitterness. It's not to produce anger towards God. It's as Job, the Bible says, he never laid charge on God. He never blamed God and threw all of it. But, to, but, but, but pressure comes. God sends and allows pressure in your life. And God could bring that pressure through manifold temptation, manifold trial, manifold uh, storms. That would just mean it would be various. It'd be something different for everybody. Let me tell you something here tonight. If you feel like that you're in the greatest battle you've ever fought, let me just tell you, I am too, brother. If you feel like you're under some of the greatest pressure you've ever been, can somebody else witness and say, you're not alone in that? If you feel like that all hell is against you, let me just tell you, if the devil told you he's only against you, that's a lie. He's against all of us. If you feel like you're in the greatest time and some of, facing some of the darkest times of your life, let me just tell you, he's attacking on all sides. Just as all nations surrounded Israel, all the uh, faculty and, and kingdom of Satan has been raging against you because you're a believer of the word of God. But just as he pours out a spirit of grace and supplication on them, he's pouring it out upon us. And I just raise my hand and say, Lord, let me receive your spirit of grace because I need it more than anything else. And if you've got to give me trials to produce desperation, That's, that's, I, didn't, I didn't say that, and I thought it was incredible. When I looked up that word, he pours out, I'll pour out upon the house of David, the spirit of grace and supplications, and I clicked a little deeper in the lexicon, and it gave me the definition, not just prayer, but desperate prayer. And I thought out of more than anything else, listen, you cannot, I'm gonna close, you cannot manufacture desperation. You can't, you can't with all of your, all of your willpower, no matter how you say, I just, I'm so desperate. Listen, you, that's not something you can choose. You know what that is? That's a result. That's a fruit of, of, of like the olive. You know how you get the olive oil? Because you crush the olive and then you get the olive oil. This is what Jesus was in Gethsemane. That's what Gethsemane means. It's the crushing. Man, it got quiet awfully fast. It's the crushing. It's the, it's the pressure. And it's the breaking. 
And so Gethsemane was a, it was a crushing. I thought about this today. You, you can't, you can't produce it. You need it more than anything else. You need desperation. Sister Brenda Lewis wrote a song, maybe some of you have uh, have never heard it, called, Lord, Make Me Desperate, Lest I Perish. Make me to hunger and thirst for you. You can't hunger and thirst for him. Hunger is not something that you manufacture. It's something that you just have. And I say, Lord, make me to hunger and thirst, if I became so distracted by this world and the cares of this life that I've got my attention and my focus off of your story, then Lord, make me to hunger. How many could pray that here with me and say, Lord, make me desperate. Make me desperate, Lord, no matter what you got to send me through. This is the hour of grace and supplications and God is producing pressure Oh, I, I just want to, I feel that that's so from the Holy Spirit right now, that pressure you feel in your life. That might be, you say, who is that? Come, who is that? The, the Lord may allow the devil as he, as he allowed the devil to afflict Job. But let me tell you something. The devil couldn't touch Job unless God gave him permission. And the devil can't touch you. You're a son and daughter of God. Satan came and said, you got Job hedged up. I can't even get to him. The devil let us in on a secret that for the sons and daughters of God, he has you hedged up. That's why the Bible says the angels of the Lord encamp those that fear him. You may not see them. You may not feel them. You may not hear them. Take confidence tonight. There's angels surrounding your home. There's angels surrounding your life. There's angels that are watching your children when you let them out of your, when you, when you send them to school or you send them to work. There's an angelic presence that covers God's family. And he can't touch you unless God gives him permission first. And so what does God do to produce desperation? He brings you through pressure. And he brings you through some, of, some, 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 some moments in your life to where it looks like that God is just gone. And you say, why did this happen to me? And how could this befall me? And what did I do? The first that question you, Lord, what have I done? And you start to turn over every stone and law. And you begin to, where did I go wrong? And where did I go off course? And I look at my life and God doesn't answer my prayer anymore. And I just feel so far. And I feel like the, I, I, I used to talk to him and I used to sense his presence. And now it must have been something I've done. I'm sure I missed it turn I'm sure it went all off that's exactly what the devil wants to lie to you and get you to accept what is it it's God producing pressure in your life so that it'll produce desperation to say Lord I don't want to miss you I want to be ready Lord I want to be fervent I want to be that that virgin in the Bible the wise virgin who was burning the midnight oil and she was trimming her lamp prophet said that I had to quote, this is lamp trimming time. This is lamp trimming time. And I say, Lord, let me trim my lamp. Let me make sure I've got the oil of the Holy Ghost. I don't want to be like that foolish virgin who the Bible says when the master came, that they didn't have no oil in their vessel. And they go to the city and buy, can we have something? We don't have enough to spare, only enough for ourselves. Then what do you go to the city? The Bible says when the bride, when the groom came 
And they came backwards. Yeah, he was already gone. Oh, friend, let me just say, don't be caught unaware. That's not your destiny. That's not your purpose. There's others who will fulfill that. But you're not called to fulfill that. You're not the lukewarm believer of Lady Asia. You're the overcomer of this age. You're not those who are lackadaisical and all you want is a feel-good sermon and a good feel-good comfort zone vibes. But we want to say, Lord, give us your word alive and living. Let it be something that feeds us, Lord, and is real in our life. Oh, that's why God has given you the faith for the supernatural. Why? It's part of your inheritance. We believe for that. We look for that. Not just the God of yesterday, but the God of today who's alive. Who speaks and we hear. Who speaks and we hear that still small voice. Not always in a big booming loud as Elijah went through the earthquake and through the fire and, 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 and through the wind. But, but the Bible says God wasn't in any of that. He was in that still small voice. I say, Lord, let me be sensitive enough to hear that voice. Because when he speaks, oh, it's not the voice of a man speaking. It's not the voice of a man that can fail. But when he speaks, he dissolves all doubts. Oh, friends, can you, can you witness that here tonight? You might have searched for answers and you might have got good advice from this man or this woman or this brother or sister. But really, when God speaks, it answers all questions. It removes all doubt. And you realize your purpose and your calling. And you say, Lord, what do you have me to do? I want to be ready. I want to be a servant that can be yielded and ready, Lord. I want to be ready, Lord, when your spirit gives me unction. Don't let me be so distracted that I miss it, Lord. Let me be sensitive to that voice. Grant it, Lord. The hour of grace and supplications. Let's all stand to our feet this evening. You believe in a supernatural God? Amen. A God who proves himself alive, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why don't we just bow our heads just for a moment before I invite our brother Marcus to come. Lord Jesus, here we bow, Lord. Just feeling, sensing, Lord, your presence so near, Lord. We're thankful, Lord Jesus, more than anything, God. We just want to say we're thankful that, Lord, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. It's not him who runneth or him that willeth, but God that showeth mercy. Lord, all of these scriptures that we could quote here tonight, Lord, they prove one thing. Lord, it's not up to us to manufacture. It's not up to us to whoop up or to build up or to try our best or determine in ourselves. It's just up to us to yield and to surrender and to become subservient and humble ourselves enough to become subservient, Lord, and submissive to whatever your word says, I just raise my hand and say, Lord, I accept it here tonight. I yield all my thoughts. I yield all of my opinions. I check them at the door. And I say, as Paul said, I know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let me know nothing, Lord. 
Let my life be made up of not my agenda or my plan or what I've, what I've sought out to do. Lord, but let me say, let me find my purpose, God. What are, what's this great potter calling my life to be? Where do you want me to be? Where do you want me to, where do, where, where do you want my life? Let me find myself aligned with that heavenly vision, Lord. I want to be in sync and in step to it tonight, Lord Jesus, we ask. We thank you, Lord, for the trials and the tribulations that you pour out upon us, Father. Lord, help us to not let them become and make us bitter or make us angry. Lord, but if, let it do what its call a purpose is to do, and that's to produce desperation in our life. That we could say, Lord, draw us closer to you than we've ever been before. Draw our lives closer to match your word more than it's ever been before, Lord Jesus, we ask. We pray that you would grant it, Lord, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen, amen, amen. You can be seated again. I want to take this time now and invite Marcus to come. And we've got some, we have those. You want to come now, Marcus, amen. Why don't we give the Lord Jesus and our brother a hand. Give him a good hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. You come on right here. <laughs> and I have those pictures. You just call for them and they'll, they'll display them. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Take your liberty. Take your time. Thank you. Let the Lord be praised. Amen. Amen. We are so glad to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Uh, as we grew up learning one more time, because you never know when it might be your last time. And we are faithful to the calling. If you're not faithful to the calling, you're missing out on the blessing. God has given us, as I heard pastors say, a testimony. And that testimony doesn't come without a test. And I don't know who I'm talking to. And God, I said, prayed and I said, okay, God, even on the way over here, give us the right words to say. I don't want to go up there and speak for me. I want to speak for you and let everything that I say tonight bring you glory. And I understand now better than I ever have in all my life. I'm a man of 68 years. Years ago, I, I, I had a heart's yearning and desire to go on the missions field. And God has allowed my wife, Mary, and I to smuggle Bibles into China. I made history in the pastor's church in the Philippines. He announced at the end of my message, you have made history. You're the first black man, he said, to ever preach from my pulpit. I said, God, use us. He's taken us to Mexico, to Jamaica. We were in Romania serving the people who were homeless and living under the salt, under the streets, down there with the infrastructure, and visiting the hospitals where young people and older parents who were trying to keep themselves warmed in their cold temperatures were burned severely and did not have anything to treat the, the burns except Vaseline. And you know what Vaseline does to burns? It increases the, the burn. And when we showed up and we had medical treatment that we took from Buford with a team, we purchased burn cream. And we showed up because they told us you have to put this garment on. And we looked like the medical staff. But when we walked in and they all looked at us and feared our presence because we looked like everybody else. And they didn't want any more of this cream this Vaseline, but we had healing balm. Yeah. 
I'm going to want you to think on that word, healing balm. To apply to severe burns, severe injuries. Somebody here tonight has been severely injured, and God has brought you through. He's come and knocked at your door because he is the healing balm. And he's waiting for you to receive him. I did not know that in January, well, late December, as a school teacher over in Savannah, I would drive from Beaufort to Savannah and teach elementary school. And when I said to my students, I'll see you next year, it was our Christmas break. I didn't know that the enemy had a different plan. So I, I long ago asked God to use me in ministry and also allow me to be a teacher. Well, he's given me a prophetic ministry and he's also allowed me to teach in my ministry. And as I made several trips to South Sudan, walked the grounds at 115 degree temperature my pastor friend and I walked nearly 10 miles carrying our bags to get to a village of 16,000 refugees who had fled the assault of a machete and assault rifles. They slept in the bush. And one young man who was one of the refugees from years past talked about as a young teenage boy running with thousands of other young men and coming across a fallen elephant and having to eat from the, the meat. And he was one of the stronger ones who could tear that flesh of an elephant with his own teeth and then bite it into smaller bites to give to the younger boys so they could survive. Having lost his own parents behind him, he kept pressing forward. I want you to think on that, pressing forward. In the latter part of December, my testimony, and I can't get it all without asking my wife, Mary, my bride of 46 years, to come and, and help me out. And I'll call her up, and she'll, she'll help me with the specific details. But as I... We were preparing to go to Florida with family, our daughter and grandkids. We were going to go, and I was a passenger, Mary and Jess, our daughter, was up front, and I'm sitting behind, entertaining the kids behind me. And I leaned over because there was a little irritation on the side of my neck, on the right side right here. felt like about the size of your knuckle if you pull it up like that and just pinch it off. There's a little bump there, and I thought, what the? It's not a shaving bump. I don't know what that is. And I leaned forward and said to my wife and daughter, do you see this? Anybody else see this? I can see what I feel. And they looked at it. Mary said, do you think we should go home? And I said, no, we'll be fine. Let's just go on and have a good time. At the end of our Florida trip, we were to go to San Diego and visit our son and daughter-in-law for Christmas. They had invited us and sent tickets for us to come out. 
So it was at the end of our coming back. We were going out for Christmas Day and coming back on the 29th. Is that right? In a two-week span of time, this little irritation of a bump that Mary says was about the size of an avocado seed had grown to where it was pushing up behind my right ear and down under my clavicle. Big mass. Before getting the attention that we needed, God was using this to his glory. An oncologist who was alarmed at, at the report of Dr. Kenneth Brown. Some of you may know him. He's a ear, nose, and throat specialist here in Beaufort. I'd gone to him because my daughter-in-law in Bluffton, who's a nurse, said, Dad, this is not something you take to your general practitioner. You need to go see an ear, nose, and throat specialist. So I called Dr. Brown. He had me come in. He diagnosed and thought it was a cyst. Gave me the name of that cyst, and I went back home and Googled images, and it looked just like what I had looking at in the mirror. And I said, okay, he's spot on. He called it what it is. And uh, he liked to take a biopsy of it. They took a biopsy of it, and then when they came back, and he called and spoke to Mary and said, I don't know what it is, but I don't, it's spreading very quickly. I wasn't sure if it was malignant or benign. But he said, I need to get in touch with some oncologists. And then one oncologist that called him back out of several calls on January 12 says, I can see him. Dr. Brown says, got good news. He said, the problem is I can't see him until the 19th. Dr. Brown's response was, if we wait till the 19th, I don't think he'll be here. Wow. What's today's date? This is in January. That was the devil's plan. Yeah, right. I heard pastors say, God's got a plan. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we look for joyful moments, happy moments, and we look to eliminate all the trials and troubles. And yeah. mm -hmm. No, yeah. we're looking for a way out by eliminating all those challenges that life will bring our way. But I want to tell you that it is through those things that we'll find our joy. Pastor said, all your answers are going to come right here. And I'm going to tell you, he's spot on. Because what we found out is that because of that report from the oncologist that says I can see him in seven days. Dr. Brown moved right on, got in touch with the MUSC up in Charleston, and we were taken in, and I literally spent seven months. I've gone through six rounds of failed chemo. The doctors outlined, we'll do this first step. If that fails, we'll go to this step. If that fails, we'll go to step three. Step four, if that fails, we're probably going to go to CAR-T, something I never heard of. They would harvest my cells 
harvest T cells. They would hook me up to a machine that would take blood through a portal, feed it into a machine that's running constantly for five hours long. Now I'm looking at the blood going through this tubing, going into that machine and some coming back into my body. And then this little bag that's hanging on a pole that's empty is now filling up with T cell, T blood cells. I said, how do you know when it's gonna get enough? They'd already programmed it. The machine would automatically cut off when it had enough. God gave man the mind to come up with something so elaborate. Talking about technology being advanced. See, pastor just didn't know how much he was telling my story. The advancement of technology allowed man to come up with a machine that would <clears throat> empty blood out of my body, put the good stuff back in here, and harvest T-cells that they would send off to get engineered that would come back and be brought back into my body. When they opened up a book and had a meeting with us, and they said, here's what this is all about. I'm skipping because I'm listening to him, but I'm looking on here, and I see the... Bullets that said, this thing can cause death. <laughs> I closed the book. <laughs> I did. I closed the book, and I don't want to read it. But I knew we had already gone through step one, step two, step three, step four. Now we're step five. They're going to come in and give me another thing. They gave me a shot of radiation because all these other things that stopped had failed. And this big, it had started to diminish and we were praising God for it. But then he says, like whack-a-mole. You know, you mm -hmm. hit that little uh -huh. pop-up head yeah. and it goes down, but it pops yeah. up over there. And you, yeah, you hit it over here and it pops up over there. And that's the kind of response this cancer was doing. Mm -hmm. A number of CAT scans where they introduce fluid that lights up everything on the inside so they can see what they're looking for. Back in January, this thing that we could see was black against a white background. And it was so large that it was down under here that we couldn't see. It had pushed nodes that were swollen about the size of a tangerine under my armpit here, up under my shoulder back here, under my left knee behind the leg. There was another that was about that size. And I thought this thing is moving and moving, moving. My right eye was now pushing out of the socket. I see you clearly. The voice of God is saying to you, I see you clearly. Amen. I know where you live. Yeah. He alone is able to make all things work together. Amen. Amen. For the good of those who love him. I'm laying up in the hospital at MUSC, and I said, God, you've allowed me to make history in the Philippines. You've allowed us to smuggle Bibles into China. You've allowed us to minister to those in Romania, Bulgaria, South Sudan, 
walking among 26,000 refugees and stretching out my hand and praying for them because in that camp on the same ground that they slept on, there's animals running around and there's feces and there's human sickness and there's extreme 115 degree temperature and you've got several families living on the one tent roof, overcrowded. <clears throat> I've done all that and I've never been hospital all my life. But here we are. I've visited others in the hospital. I've prayed for others in the hospital. But I've never on my own account been hospitalized. And here I am on my 68th birthday getting birthday balloons to my family and cards and chemo. But God. But God. Amen. Did you hear me? Amen. But God. Amen. There was a night. It was a horrible night. I could tell you each little detail, gory details about the different chapters of this sickness. And the doctors that would say your headaches that had you crying out like a baby were worse than the worst migraine headache. My bladder was so messed up, I had tubes inserted in my back, one hanging on either side that was collecting my urine. They had to be emptied every day. They yeah. say, so you'll lose your, your hair. I lost it all. I didn't even have eyebrows, brothers. Mm. All the way down to my feet. I mean... You know, you ladies that might take the razor. You know, I didn't have to take the razor. I didn't have to shave any longer. Thank God, I don't have to shave. But I'm looking in the mirror and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I see this little raised skin up here where eyebrows were usually there, but there's no, there's no hair. I looked kind of mm, freakish. Not when I'm used to, I lost 60 pounds. And that one night, after a horrible night of being awakened and awakened and awakened, because constantly they were coming into my room, I had a visit from my second oldest son and his family. He came in with a question, Dad, how you doing? Oh, son, I'm doing pretty good right now, right now. He said, John, did you rest last night? And I said, I'm glad you asked. I get to tell somebody. Last night, Josh? I'm, I'm so used to hearing him come in and getting interrupted right at the time I'm closing my eyes and sleep is coming over me and then there's somebody waking me up. I said, but I, I, I felt this presence at the door and I look over to my right. The lights were low, but I saw a shadow and I thought, here they come again. But the Holy Spirit quickened in my spirit. It's not one of them. And I, I stiffened because I knew it was the angel of death. Wow. And I said, you can't come in here. 
And I said it twice. And I turned my way away from that. And I looked over to the dark side of the room. But it wasn't dark because it was illuminated by a presence. I said, in my thoughts, it has to be. And then I was interrupted in my thoughts by these words, I'm not going anywhere. And I reached out and grasped. And I said, I'm not letting you go. And I held on. I, I just have to share this. I wrote it down so I would make sure I said it right. Uh, my son is saying goodnight. He was at the house. He's sending me a message. I wrote it down so I could read it to you because it was on my heart to, to share this. And then I want to ask Mary to come up. As a Christian believer, our ministry should be an honest and a proven one. I hope your walk with the Lord is an honest one and a proven one. There should be no doubt as to our commitment to God. Our walk with God should be such that if our message of glad tidings be hidden, it's only hidden to those that are sinners, those that are lost. Our creator God knows of our trial, our, our frail nature, and it's intended that we take no credit for the greatness of his saving power. We may find ourselves pressed on every side, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down, but we are not crushed. Mm -mm. We are not driven to despair. We are not deserted and are not, nor will we ever be destroyed. <clears throat> From the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 to 3. One, two, and three. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Amen. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering Produces what? Tribulation. Tribulations produce patience. Patience produces character. Character produces Okay, you don't have that up there. I'm sorry. The character produces hope. And the word of God says, hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And there are things that I, I can recall, but there was such a gray period, a gray, gray, horrible gray period during this whole episode, this whole journey that I could not, at the announcement, they would come in and say, because they were checking for neurotoxicity, they would come in and insert a needle into my back that was about that long. 
and they tell me I'm going to feel a little nudge, and I felt more, a great more than a little nudge. I felt an extreme pain, but I did it five times. They wanted to make sure that the cancer that was showing up on the scan, uh, pull a picture, if you will. Picture number one, who has the control? They got it back there? I don't know if you have it where it says number one. I saw Travis when they were at my home today uh, asking what order I wanted. They shared it, not so number one. Picture of your, uh, which one? Yeah, that one looks. Okay, so you can see on the right side of the neck, this huge growth. Well, you've heard me talk about that. Go to the next one. That was after they cut and taken a couple of biopsies and the wounds were trying to heal. But I couldn't, I couldn't keep my head straight. I couldn't turn it to the right because of the pressure of this thing. Mm. It was so intent, so intense. Mm. It, it, it kept me from turning to the right. And at nighttime, I couldn't lay my head over on my left side because I'm pulling against this thing. And I'm learning to sleep in a different pattern because this is the only comfortable spot. And if I turned, it was awakening me with extense, just intense pain. And go to the next one. There's another view. After I started losing almost all of my hair. Taking selfies, and then go to the next one, please. That large growth on the side of my neck would be this uppermost one. Ooh. I didn't know, but the scan showed the cancer was up into the back of both eyes, which is now I know. This is why my eyes are constantly running tears, and Mary said, you okay, because your eyes are all red. Okay. It was a cancer that was up in there. Wow. Hey, here, brother. Thank you. I, I, <laughs> anyway, all the black that you see on that skin, on that white background, was cancer. So when they told us that it was spreading quickly, it was very aggressive. And my organs that are not very clearly visible, you couldn't see them because they were hidden, they were masked by the cancer. The Bible teaches that the prayers of the righteous, I'm, I'm waiting for you, avail is much. Now, he didn't say a little, much. I thank God that there are those of you who in this body stood with us as watchmen on the wall. Because I heard about your prayers. My response to people, as I would say to you, don't quit. Because we were on the winning side. I heard pastor talk about that. Pray, pray to God that you're on the winning side. We were on the winning side. God was proving himself faithful. The Bible teaches that he watches over his word to perform it in our lives. He didn't say, wait till you're gone, then I'll, I'll show you what you missed out on, or I'll show the devil and shake my fist at him and say, uh-huh, you thought you won. But God allows us to experience his miraculous healing power. Amen. Amen. Thank you. For a testimony. But I had to endure the test. Sometimes we are taken and we are shown the struggle. Sometimes he takes us 
through the struggle, and sometimes we have to have that attitude of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where we say, no matter, no matter what. And because I said, and I fed myself, and Mary, who was there at my side every time I opened my eyes, and a glimmer of hope, she was there. I could not even respond to the staff, the medical staff, who said, tell me your name and date of birth. I'm 68 years old. Now, I can't tell you my first and last name. I couldn't tell you as a teacher been teaching for years. I could not count from 100 to zero by 10 backwards. I'm looking at my wife, my eyes pleading. I'm tearing. I'm looking at her pleading. Silently, help me. I'm embarrassed. I can't. I couldn't move, couldn't raise my arm, couldn't get off my bed. I showed Travis and Pastor Mac, Matt a picture where they had wires on both sides of the head with patches monitoring. Mary says it, it looked because these wires were feeding information to a machine that people were monitoring and they were looking for neurotoxicity and looking to see if any neurological stuff was affected by the cancer. And, and it put me in ICU. For how long? A week. Um, I was in a desperate place. But your prayers availeth much. Your prayers availeth much. Your prayers availeth much. And it's because of your prayers and the prayers of the righteous, add it to yours, because God had given us opportunity to smuggle Bibles into China. We had people all over the world praying for us here in Beaufort. And God was faithful Amen. because he heard your prayers. And then he decided on our last CAT scan a little over two weeks ago, about three weeks ago when I was up for my last visit. And we were to go back in December for another because they're monitoring and monitoring. But on the last three weeks ago, they always have a little session with us after the scan. And Mary asked, oh, well, yeah, come on up. I don't want to tell her part. And she has such a great part Y'all just to love on her, she comes up. Uh, well, they came out and said, uh, I, went, I said, I want to see the scan. They said, there's nothing to see. Wow. I said, that's what I want to see. The, the nothing. I want to see the nothing. And so... Does he have a picture that? Yeah, yeah. So this is this is this dark part is brain and his heart, heart. I do have a brain. And, <laughs> and his his uh, lungs and his bladder, and there's not even heart, not even a speck 
Um, yeah, any, lungs in the yeah. Yeah, lungs, sorry. Yeah. And uh, he, Dr. Hess, his oncologist, came in and he said, Marcus, I didn't want to tell you this before, but you had the worst case of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma I've ever seen. And he said, I, I really didn't expect this good an outcome. And we said, you know, we've been trusting you, but we really trust the great physician. And we've been praying for you and the staff, but we know God's the one that has healed them. Because he had one type, he had two subtypes of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, one of which they said was incurable. They said there was treatment for it, but there was no cure. And God said. He said, I'm the curer. I'm the curer. So we are grateful. To talk about We're grateful for the prayers. Yes. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. I heard Pastor talk about Job. And everything that happens to us as believers is God-filtered. Yes. He allows us. Yes. Well, he allows the enemy an opportunity because he knows our faith walk in him, with him. If you are faithful, he is faithful even more so. He will allow you to go through the trial so you can have a testimony. He may allow you to endure hardships. He may attack your He may allow the enemy to attack your family. I talked yesterday to my barber, the other barber in my barber shop, and the guy who was the guy who lost his father out in Dale. 81-year-old who was wandering because he had um, Alzheimer's. A week later, they found him in the marsh. Body was all messed up, crabs and other marine life had eaten off of it. And I thought, what God can do. Our steps are ordered of the Lord. It's been my pleasure to come and meet and greet you and share with you. Amen. I told Pastor today I need about 15 minutes, but goodness, I get to talking about it and I, I apologize. But in all, in all, I say, let the Lord be praised. Let the Lord be praised. Let the Lord be praised because he's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy of your praise. Amen. Oh, we ought to give him praise. We ought to really give the Lord. Stand to your feet. Oh, how many can say that's my God? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ. That's the testimony of a living God of a living God. What a, what a blessing. What a blessing. You know what that should do when God does something like that in someone's life? That should then transfer faith 
to you for whatever you're facing, whatever seems impossible. You can say, Lord, you're still the same God. You're no respecter of persons. That should energize this, your, this church and your faith to say, God, I can believe for the impossible. How many can say that? I, I didn't say the almost impossible. The doctor said, what, Mary? That's an impossible. It's uncurable. There's no cure. So that, you know what that tells me? He's still the God of the impossible. Whatever you face today, God is still the God of the impossible. Oh, give him another hand clap of praise. Why don't you just worship him just for a minute? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Worthy Lord God, we give you praise for your works tonight, Lord. We give you praise, Lord Jesus. You're worthy of all of our praise, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We thank you for the acts, Lord, the, the living God that we can read about in the Bible, but now a living God who's made himself alive, proven himself that he's the resurrected Jesus. And nothing's impossible. All things are possible to those who believe. We give you praise for it tonight, Lord God. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. What you got, Brother Ken? Oh, yes, it's here. Oh, why don't we raise our hands and sing it now? Healing is here. Touch him now. Healing is here. Oh, healing is here. Yes, Lord. Healing is here. And I believe it. And I reach my hand. Trust in you, 
Brother Joe Howdashell writes in, I had to uh, unavoidably work late tonight. Oh, this is, I guess you're here, Brother Joe. So this was, uh, wife is not feeling well. Sister Becky, we want to remember her. Sister Melissa writes in, I have two prayer requests. One is for a young lady that is battling severe anxiety. Due to this, she's losing her hair. The second is for a co-worker we have prayed for uh, before. He is battling cancer. Well, we already know he can heal cancer. And we'll be having surgery tomorrow. He really needs a touch from the Lord. And just got an update. I just got an update. The surgery was actually today. The surgery... Uh, the surgery nick and art nicked an artery in his neck he really needs god to come on the scene now more than ever before how many just want to join in faith and say lord i'm going to believe amen for these requests and these needs i don't have any others maybe something you have upon your heart you just want to raise a hand and represent it say lord here's my need amen just heard about that you're we, we just heard about a living god so now i'm going to raise my hand in faith in real faith, I heard the word. Now I'm going to mix the word with faith, so that it, so that I can say, Lord, what you did for Marcus, you could do for me. Amen. Just reach out and touch him. Lord, Father, we join our voices, Lord. We join our faith together. We bind it, Lord Jesus, together in unity against every devil of hell, against every demon spirit. These requests that are written, the spirit that's attacking Sister Becky, we rebuke you, Satan, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that healing virtue would go and flow to my sister right now. God, for this need for this man, Lord, and the, this complication for surgery, from surgery, Lord, I pray that you would be the same yesterday, today, and forever. Great physician, come and move in a supernatural way for this man. Lord, for the prayer request, the young lady battling severe anxiety, losing her hair. Oh, God, you're greater than all of our problems. You're bigger than anxiety. You're bigger than depression. You're bigger than any disease, mental health issue that Satan tries to afflict us with. And we bind this demon in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, right now for these hands that went up everywhere, Lord, these various needs may be unspoken. I pray, God, that you'd come and make yourself one more time. Lord, come and make yourself alive. Lord Jesus, for these needs upon the hearts of your children, we'll give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. We're going to sing it one or two more times before we're dismissed and let you go. Any longer. Yes. Your perfect love is casting out now. Sing it to the Lord. You are the God. You are the God of all. Oh, we believe it, Lord Jesus. It's your will. Trust in
Jesus is here, sing it now. Jesus is here. Oh, Jesus. Jesus is here. Jesus is here. And I believe and I receive
Worshiping the Lord. Amen. Worthy. He's worthy of all of our praise. He's in the house. Let's sing that. Little girl was lying there. We're going to let you go. We're going to keep singing. Brother Ken will stay here and keep singing. You're welcome to stay as long as you want. Amen. We don't have any announcements that I'm missing, do we? Anything we need to announce? We got that. Amen. Praise God. Little girl was lying there. People all were weeping. They just laughed at Jesus when he said she's only sleeping. But as he took her by the hand, she began to live again. 
Jesus.